describes acts of extreme violence in graphic detail and may include discussions about demonology and the occult, topics that caused widespread panic during the 1980s. This content may not be suitable for children under the age of 50. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Grog Talk. Hello, I'm James. And who I'm are you? Rob. I'm Rob, not Dan. That's right. And who, the only one who's moving right now is is David. How are you, David? I'm fine, thank you. You're going to have to draw all the attention. That's right. Here. You're going to have to draw all the attention while I play. Figure, Bring it. Figure out. What's That's one thing that I'm not afraid of is a little bit of attention. So, uh, <laughs> so the rumor has it that Dan has hit the road. Uh, in search of Go Delicious. Uh, worried about his uh, whereabouts, Dan. That's the story that they're putting about, but I can't help but notice that there is a large wooden crate with air holes drilled in it down at the Grog Talk loading dock, uh, waiting for pickup. So I don't know. I have no, no further uh, evidence to give on this. Well, at least he hopefully has holes in his box because he didn't do that for Go Delicious and he was terrified that Go Delicious was not going to make it there. So while I fix uh, the uh, picture here, hopefully, uh, we've got some announcements. And again, we're very thankful. Where are we, where are we from? Oh, where are we from today? Well, James, today we are from the Stolen Goat. Stolen Goat. A notorious roadhouse just south of Boggyville near the gravel pit. And situated west of the main road in a stand of trees. Whatever may pass for or- as organized crime in Boggyville is centered on this ramshackle building. It's quite old and has been built and rebuilt many times, evident in the nature of building styles and materials that comprise it. The inn yard consists of mud and old gravel and is surrounded by a wooden fence, and there are hitching posts out front as well as a stable for two ponies. Wow, if this, was an ab- if this was an audition for the new Dan, should he have disappeared and never come back, this is a way better introduction than I normally get from Dan. Dan, usually five minutes before he gets here, he says, where are we from? And then we have to figure it out. We're like looking through the old modules. So well done, well, well done. Well, thank you, thank you. Well, I only have the one, so. <laughs> you only have the one? That's okay. So um, why don't you guys introduce yourselves, because some of our listeners may actually may not know you. So Rob, who you would be able to see normally, Rob is our editor of Flipping and Turning, so maybe you could just briefly talk about Flipping and Turning and Smoldering Dung Games. Sure. My name is Rob Ritchie. I am the editor-in-chief of Smoldering Dung Games and Flipping and Turning Magazine, which some of you are familiar with, hopefully 
more and more, uh, our view are becoming familiar with it. It's the world's only magazine dedicated to a uh, AD&D podcast. And some say we are the foremost authority of in, in AD&D today. So David, why don't you tell us about yourself and um, how long you've been in the hobby? You've been on our show twice before, if I, if I recall, correct? Yes. Well, uh, yep, uh, about 18 and 31, I think it is. So it a, is long a long time ago. ago. So, well, David is also the uh, also considering... the uh, vice president of marketing for Smoldering Duncan. Oh, he's the vice president of marketing. Very good. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a, a lofty title. It comes with great many responsibilities. And zero remuneration. So, uh, it, it is while it is bright and early here in Florida, it is very late there in the other part of the world. So we're. It is very dark. So we are going to be respectful of his time. So quick announcements. GrogCon 2022 is coming uh, the last week of September, first week of October. We're going to finalize that soon. Hopefully Craig will do that for us. We have uh, a contest by April 1st. If you want to draw our, our um, mascots, the Copper Dragon, Stabuli, and the Toad, send Sir it Hopsalot. in. Huh? Sir Hopsalot. Sir Hopsalot, correct. I call him the Toad. So, uh, because I don't care about the toad, it's the brat, it's the brat, copper dragon's amazing. Copper, bra- copper dragon cast find familiar and the toad showed up. That is, that is correct. That's what we came up. Oh, you know what? I have not been using my sound effects. I apologize. Here, now I'm just going to press all of them just to annoy people. So that they, you know, where's the sound effects that people hate? So, uh, Dave Khan is April 8th through the 10th. That is being Hosted by our dear friend Vic Dorso. Do you uh, have your rooms all set up? I do not. We are once David, once uh, Dan comes back, we are setting, going to set tickets and all the other stuff. And um, and can I uh, expect that uh, you will be having getting seats on the bus that I'm driving from Orlando to? Oh, you're driving up there? No, not really. Okay, I know you talked about it, but I I I uh, I could not. Uh, I would be dri- you'd, I'd be driving by myself for four days each way. I don't think I want to. <laughs> no, that's that's too much. Yeah, we're we're going to figure out the flights uh, next couple of weeks. But give me a, go ahead. I've I've got some things. So uh, so let me know. When, yeah, this next probably next week we're gonna fish or cut bait. So we got to figure out what's going on. I mean, we were kind of waiting to see if the latest death virus was going to be as bad as it was. So that's why we were kind of doing that. Um, kind of waiting and seeing. The next, we have uh, Grogtog's Guild Online play-by-post, which our f- friend David Thompson has done a wonderful job play-by-post. You can listen to Menion's, uh podcast about the explanation of how that's been going yes. on Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. Um, there's also a meetup we have online games. So if you want to play first edition or other old school games, just come out to our Discord and you can partake and see other people like-minded, like such as yourself. And then finally, we have Flipping and Turning. Issue 6 is out. We are now working on Issue 7, correct? Yes, that's right. Also, we're working on a special, uh, a special April Fool's issue that is to be uh, released at DaveCon. Oh, interesting. So there's going to be two that are basically being run or being produced at the same time. So I'm looking for, I'm looking for humorous articles, cartoons for that. Please uh, send it uh, send it into the same address, uh, editor at grogcon.com. Well, very good. And what's the uh, uh, smolderingdunggames at gmail.com, correct? That is correct. 
Yeah. So if you don't want it to be routed through us, if you want to avoid the whole grog content, you want to talk directly to Rob and the crew, just go to Smoldering Gun Games. But of course, we would be happy to route that information. And of course, I'm on the Discord, so like constantly. So just reach out to me there. That's right. So with all that said, as if those who have been keeping with us, you know that Dan and I have, have begun a hex crawl where we are, we are yet again attempting to traverse Greyhawk to try to f- understand the mystery that is the Greyhawk folio from back in the day um, and create our own lore uh, as, as we learn this, uh, as we read the folio. And we started as a bunch of ships that had been magically teleported over to the Sea Barons, and we are, I'm a, playing a wizard, uh, Dan is playing an illusionist, and the first episode was us kind of going to an island, and I'm sure I felt a premonition in the back of my head, like Rob was screaming at me as we were sailing along. You know, there was this thing that we worked on a while back <laughs> that would help with figuring out sea things, and of course I, didn't, I ignored it, and then I was looking around, getting ready, and I, I'm like, hey, what's this thing? Oh, I remember this. He gave this to me. This is Windjammer. And so Windjammer is the rules for ship combat compatible with AD&D written by, go figure, Thompson and Ritchie. Thompson and Ritchie. And by the way, it was included in, uh, as a free insert in the print uh, copy issue five of Flipping and Turning. So if you didn't get that, it's still available at Noble Knight Games. Okay, so there you go. You can, it is, so it's available for free on print-on-demand. Uh, not at nope. print-on-demand, Itch.io. Itch.io Itch. site. Well, actually, that's not true. It's available for the low, low price of $1. Oh, excellent. So the, um, in the DMG, the first part of what is written describes the different kinds of vessels. And, it, and it, it, uh, it's clear that Gary had sat down with uh, a or was probably drawing on the his sources for uh for from which he drew when he created the game don't give up Sh- the ship which was a sailing tabletop game right that preceded dungeons and dragons on the next few pages there are some information about hull values which were basically hit points for ships and how to repair them uh the and some kind of random tables about how large ships are. Uh, under crew, it says, see expert hirelings. So there's another section about... Uh, page 33. Page 33, expert hirelings, right? Where it bas- Ship crew, ship master. Where basically it says, uh, if you want to have a, a... If you want to sail a ship, you need a crew. So hire the, a bunch of these guys. Yes, and it's interesting because, of course, uh, we are using these goldenrod sheets that we that Dan purchased, and of course, Rob, in preparation, you know, he's taking this way more seriously than we do. It's like, well, how many crew do you have? What kind of boats do you have? Now, these were written by eleven or twelve year olds, possibly fifteen or sixteen year olds, and it says <laughs> warship. Warship. Yes, that's what I have. I have a warship, but I also have a folding boat. Folding boat. Oh. I looked that up. That's that's. Have you looked at the uh, entry for the folding boat? I, I did not, because, you know, I am now not studying 
the DMG Magic items because I am playing the well, Antiques could... Roadshow, Artifact Roadshow, so I'm trying not to cheat for well, people. Well, perhaps in preparation for your hex brawl, we can discuss that. Later. Okay. Uh, so, but what I guess where I'm coming to is that over the pages through page 55 is a lot of kind of random rules uh, about how fast boats may or may not go, what happens when a, when a ship catches fire, uh, how long, if a ship is damaged, how long it takes to repair it, uh, and some other interesting things about boarding, grappling, capturing a ship. There's a, there's a, a pertinent but short uh, and, uh, section about uh, swimming. swimming, which right. of all places, if, <laughs> as a player, if you're looking for whether or not you could uh, swim, naturally you would look into the section on ships. But what this does not have are rules about how you would actually go about doing a ship-to-ship combat. Right. Uh, and and the, what we have to remember is that for Gary and his original crew, in fact, all those guys, if they wanted to do a ship-to-ship combat, they'd shove their D&D stuff aside and pull out their, table, their, their, their sand table or their tabletop wargaming. Because right. they had a half a dozen ship-to-ship combat rules at their fingertips, and some of them they'd written themselves. So why wouldn't they use their most favorite? favorites for that but that's not necessarily so i would say david would you not agree that if um if someone were inclined to do that we would recommend some an, an they do that they do that that they pull out a uh game for that especially if they've got more than one ship if you've got like two or three caravels on each side then definitely you'll need something a little bit more, you know, a little bit more tabletoppy, rather than running it like how what we've set up. We've set up something so that if you, and this is a spoiler alert, if in U one you steal the pirate ship, which is then, awesome, by the way, that's the number one thing yeah. you got to do. Yes. Yeah, that's a spoiler. So I did announce a spoiler alert, but you know, once you, but that was like the second time I ran U one, the party just went, we've got a ship. This is awesome. And then they, that was it. They just turned tail and just, just went out. And then it's one ship and you're generally taking on one versus one and so on. These sorts of rules are fine. But the moment that you start to do Sir Francis Drake and his versus the Spanish Armada, that's when you need to have something that's a little bit more tabletoppy. Well, and, and so it's interesting. Back in the day, you basically had these mini games, right? You would play the game. And then, oh, we're doing outdoor adventures. They use that over that Avalon Hill game, right? Absolutely. And then, if it was a sea game, they would either make their own rules up, or they'd use never go. Oh, you know, in this case, right? They created "Don't Give Up the Ship," or they could use they would use some other thing to sure. to supplement it. They would not chainmail. All these things were supplements to the to the base game that they were playing. And the and and that's the thing to remember. Sorry, that when they're they're they, sometimes in their role playing game, a war game would break out. And that was perfectly fine for them because right. it's not, maybe not every day they wanted to do a dungeon delve. Sometimes they wanted to uh, take uh, an armada of ships and and fight the uh, you know the, the hobgoblin navy. So why not pull out a big uh, a big tabletop and do it that way? But as David says, for our purposes, if you want to do you two and sail up and down the coast and fight other pirates. 
who basically come in one to two ships. This is, these will give you roles, rules compatible with AD&D. So, uh, David... So, for, those, so, so for, for people who have watched Captain Blood or um, The Seahawk and some of those great uh, you know, sort of ship-type uh, movies of old, this is where you can use it as rules because everything there is one ship versus one ship. You're a ship that's preying on a lone ship. You're not going to go after two or three in an escort. You're going to wait for that one ship to, to take it on. So and if you're pirate hunting, you're going after that one ship. You know, the, the Adventurer's Prize, which is Blackbeard's ship, was a fast galleon. It was one ship. You know, so that, that's what, um, what he would just wait and pick what he needed to, to attack. So... Um... Just for curiosity, because this is this is for someone who knows nothing about ships or sailing, or you know, you're talking about seafare, which is hundreds of years, right? There's thousands of years, right? Yes. What period does this cover, and what research did you all do for this before we get into the mechanics of it? So we've got galleys, which come from the Roman, Greek, and some of like the more Bronze Age category uh where they've got the ballistae and the the light mangonels that sit on top as leading right up to probably pre well the ship's actually probably counter including black powder level you know so we're talking you know that um 16th century but obviously no gunpowder so it's all about ballista and uh, mangonels and the, the big ships um can have you know, the trebuchets on them so it all comes down to how long does it take to burn is really what the, um, uh, <laughs> that's really what you're trying to, because the moment you can put a mangonel or uh, something heavier on a, a catapult, then all you're doing is just chucking burning rock. So you're either, the, the playtesting that I did for this, I ended up with the ships ending, colliding into each other for, a board, like for boarding very quickly because one ship was just dominating another and, or, you would end up just burning one to the ground, so or burning one water to the line. to the waterline, uh, and that's pretty much where I think it would be fair enough to say that, that that that's the case. And if you this is where some of the like a druid is really useful with being able to call lightning and to play because there's always weather. I mean, it's it's the ocean, so there's always weather. There's always water. Summon a water elemental, and it just smashes. You know the um, the gust of wind for you'll have magic users devoted to just the sea life who would just have their own spells made up for being able to, to speed ships along or to move them, you know, a little bit um, faster or in some way or differently. So, yeah, I, I just think that there's from rather than the black powder element, you've got the, the ships that go all the way through. So the caravels, cogs, galleons, they would normally be the, the 36 guns and so on. So here it's like 24 uh, ballista. I've used ballista as the, the primary uh, you know, hard point. Well, and just like in D&D where there's, it's always tough to kind of pin down. I mean, there's a, mech, a mix of armor styles and weaponry that comes from the, you know, there's Egyptian weapons and ancient weapons at the same time that there are late medieval, early Renaissance weapons in the game. So the same way that the weaponry and the rest of uh, D&D uh, contains technology that spans from the 
Bronze Age to right. the Age of Steel. So do the ships uh, in these rules. But these, the, the the biggest ship would be biggest ship would be the uh, the fourth great ship of the line, right. which is. We kept it pretty small. I mean, realistically, we kept them small because the players aren't going to be running around with the, you know, the the the, the first race ship of the line that's going to have like five decks and three hundred people. Uh, you know, the, the, those ships are huge by comparison to to what a player character would. Um, so we still kept it thematic. So I, you could easily create your own for larger ships right. but we didn't go much further than like the smallest warship that an, a navy would have like as a blockade you know like just sort of holding port running an escort doing a patrol you would have one smaller ship i think that uh if you were going to get into the idea of a first rate ship of a line which like david says is like a small city i mean a small that's you're getting into the idea well you'd have to be a name level character and mm. this is going to be that's your, their, that, that's that's your stronghold. That's basically. your stronghold would be this gigantic. Well, that's why Dan Kanan may, you know, I may have to create my own after understanding these rules. I, is there like a zero rate ship of the line or a negative five ship of the line? Because I want to be just, like. It just keeps going down. Like it's so descending armor. It's like the descending armor class. Can I get a negative 10 ship of the line? Is that <laughs> the best one? Absolutely. Okay. That's just keep going. Well, how long did it take you all? So, you know, I've, I know I've, I've talked enough to David, I know you, and I've talked to you, Rich, uh, Robert, a number of times. You all are very interested in a lot of topics, both from history and gaming. Who came up with the original idea, and how long did it take you all to kind of put this together? So David came up with the idea. He's looking over there. Without a doubt. Uh, David, David and I had been talking back and forth about, a little bit about this, uh, about these, the idea of... Uh, tabletop um, ships, different, different rule sets. And uh, he's, he's a, he's, you actually play ships. He actually plays these kinds of games, and uh, more so than I do, but we both had an interest in it. David suggested it. Yeah, well, and you've sort of got that big, you know, um, Master and Commander series, encyclopedic knowledge of of the, the terms and everything else. So that helps as well. Uh, but I mean, part of the, I, I ran, like I said, one of the earlier U1, spoiler alert, U1, there's pirates, and the, the characters stole the ship and, spoiler alert, called the, was it the pirate ghost, the ghost, sea ghost, sea ghost. And that's it, you know, and then it was, okay, now we want to put weapons on it because it comes no weapons. And it's like, we want to put weapons on it. And so uh, I sort of had, a number of unformulated ideas and i also had one of my players in a group um in the war who did war gaming he was he's a sub he was because he's be old now he's oh um he's um he was a submariner in the um, australian navy and he had his own semi-style rules for some of these things that sort of because you know, they all play D when they're on the ship <laughs> they just like had nothing to do for six or seven hours and you know right. they just roll dice and the um and so of course being navy and so some of the ideas and concepts i remembered from those conversations because that was really interesting and also um just it didn't take too long i was also planning on an option for the the play by post that the guys have um there was a, an opportunity for them to head down to become like to deal with pirates 
So I needed rules on hand. And so I'd already started to work out how I was going to be doing all of these things. But of course, like all good players, they decided to turn inland and completely avoid the hours worth of right. work that I'd put aside. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a possibility. It didn't even come up. <laughs> so, well, you're only four pirates. Anyway, there was, uh, anyway, the, but um, so what was that? And then when we were talking about the Seaborn Adventures, was what I think episode um, issue five yep. was for. Yes. Issue five was yep. about. And yeah, so then it was just like, yep, boom, here you go. Does this look good? And then he sort of went into this spasm of excitement as suddenly there looked like that there was a rule supplement that we could introduce and that we would be adding to the lore of the game and becoming pillars of, uh, the community as as we are involved with the preeminent and the number one book of magazine revolving around advanced dungeons and exactly. dragons the, the world-renowned <laughs> um, number one authority on AD&D. that's it and and if anyone says otherwise it's like you prove it that's right we are we, you know this this has gone far global right flipping attorneys gone Without, all over the world yep sometimes it comes back sometimes international <laughs> international things in after shipping being what it is currently yeah actually cyber heston was on here we need to ask him about uh yeah, we need to discuss that with him but uh, so enough of that i think this what is interest what i like about this is it's very small it's what 12 pages yeah it's more than what the DM's guide is. Right. So it's, <laughs> yes. it's, it's expands it, but it's very focused. It's here's how you do ship to ship combat. And on a, on a small scale, on a small scale, getting your player characters involved right. in the, in the, this is not a fleet battle where you're having, you know, I mean, this is, this is meant one ship, one V one or one V two, that kind of thing, that level of ship yeah. battle. Okay. So, uh, so David, I have, you know, Den Kanan and uh, Farrick are on their excellent adventure. We have two, uh, sh- we have two warships, as it said on my character sheet. Yep. And we have a galley, not a galley. Uh, like, is it a galley? A galley, yeah, we have small a small galley. galley. We have a small galley, which allegedly is holding one million gold pieces. But that's another story. That's a, that's very, that is a little hard to, to uh, cross. Get exclusive content, a behind-the-screen look at the podcast. And a chance to play with Dan and James. Support Grog Talk by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com backslash grog talk. So looking at the rules and the kind of generic warship and small galley that are listed in the player's handbook uh, under vessels that you can purchase, uh, two warships and small galley, I went back to the to the books that are in here, mm-hmm. or, excuse me, the ships listed in Windjammer, and the Hemiola is the only galley that is listed as size small. Okay. So I, by, Default, by logical determination, right? the Hemiola has to be the small galley, which, uh, and the other one is a, uh, if you go to the DMG where it discusses warships, it specifically says that it is a cog or a caravel. Right. And so I chose a caravel because it's easier to find pictures of caravels than it is to find pictures of cogs. But when you think of a caravel, you can imagine, if you imagine the uh, Christopher Columbus's ships, uh, 
Marina Pinto, that kind of thing. Yeah, the Santa Maria. That's basically the kind of ship you're talking about, a a late medieval uh, wooden ship with a focusle and a, a, what's the thing on the back called? Castle? Yeah. And... uh, and, may, and apparently some ballista on the side. Okay. So, um, so David, the uh, if I were to be uh, obviously a DM, I'm playing you one, or I have this. You know, the the, the party has. You're just running a. The party yeah. has decided. You know what? We we're tired of getting attacked over land. We're going to take our money and we're going <laughs> to invest in something. What kind of prep work will I need to do so that? The game doesn't grind down to a halt when they're travailing, aka in the hex crawl, and you know pirates are rolled up, or mermen, or dragon turtle. What what kind of prep does the DM need to do with the party so that their well, ship and crew or whatever is set up? Well, the the players can either be part of the crew or they can be passengers because some of these ships took passengers, and you just had um, like because on the, the various decks. At the um, at the aft, you would have like special rooms and so on. So um, they might have three, four rooms. So the players can just say, right, that's it. We want to be involved in a sea ship sort of travel. Get in there, and the captain does what the captain does. The crew do what the crew do, and then when action happens, the PCs can be assigned tasks to sort of man those gun barracks, gun banks, or go and prepare the pumps for when we start to take on fire or, or whatever. So there are still actions that can be done as the characters because they're all time-based. And during a combat round, when you start to get something set on fire, you need to have water to obviously put the fire out. And that's when all of a sudden the cleric can go, hey, I can create water. And boom, 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 suddenly, you know, that spell becomes useful because you're actually putting out a fire instead of just whatever it is that a cleric does with create water. I don't know, but, you know, and so if the players say, no, we want to be captains and whatever else, I would, me, I would be like, well, do you have a ship uh, sailor type background? Then you're still going to need a shipmaster. You're still going to need to take on an expert hiling, have like 40 or 50 crew. So they're either going to buy a boat outright with all the crew intact um, and good to go, or... They're going to have to just run alongside it where they just say, we want to come in for an adventure. And the captain just goes, sure, why not? Come on board. So I mean, that, if that, that's sort of the ways that we're going to do it. With the, the play-by-post, if the guys had gone down to the south and gone and done the pirate bit and whatever else, they would have been assigned an actual ship where they would have been part of. So like the, um, the petty officers, so each one would have been learning a particular craft. So whether it would have been attached to, you know, the the navigator, the helmsman, the um, the quartermaster, and so on, and then um, worked it from there. So, uh, what would you consider the Sea Ghost from U One? What kind of ship would that be? Oh, that would definitely fall into that category of of your um, caravel or a cog. So that's. Um, I actually think that it was a cog. I don't have the book. I don't have the U One in front of me, but I think it was actually referred to as a cog. Okay. In um, somewhere, so in the, that's classified within Windjammer under merchant ship, because the uh, most yeah. merchant ships, m- most of the medieval warships were converted merchant ships. Okay, there were very few. It wasn't until quite late that they started making specialized 
or ships. So you would pick the ship, you would define it, and then, and then you in the back, you guys have put in the specs for it. So it's a medium-sized ship. It has 100 length, uh, 85 deck length, beam 20, draft 10, board 10 feet, mass 2, deck 1, speed 24, H points 20, sailors 30. So it's probably, yeah, I've realized that. I don't think we put a definition of anything in there. I think we've done a Gygax and we've just gone, yeah, you, you can look you, it up. You mean the length and the <laughs> beam, et cetera? No, the yeah, yeah, the yeah. no, 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 it's in the front in the front okay it's, it's uh it's it's the illustration on the page one. Oh, okay yep there it is yeah yeah okay that's it's cool. quite tiny because that, uh, that's important because something like the draft is important because it's obviously the depth of the water there are some ships that are better in the shallow waters than others so um and coral reefs and so on so if you're going to be running around in the caribbean or the sea princes you would want galleys and sloops because they've got such um shallow drafts so you'll, yeah. no, you'll notice that a caravel has a draft of seven and a cog has a draft of ten. That may not seem like much, but if the, uh, the coral reef is eight feet below the sea level, that's, a, that's the difference between running and, around and not. Right. And, and everything in the sea, like everything in seafaring, is based in fathoms, which is a fathom is a six foot. So, and I know that from, we had to do a lot of history about the exploration of our, con our continent and Captain Cook and his people, and they had to sort of really navigate through the coral reef and they had to navigate through the shallows because the way that Australia is sort of based, you've got lots of areas to die. And that's right. pretty much the water doesn't stop. It doesn't just stop at the water. So there's they were losing like longboats were crashing against these um, coral reefs that were just cut straight through the wood. So... They had to specifically run through with uh, – there was a specific tool that they designed to be able to navigate their way through the coral reefs. That's what I'm saying. So ships had to become different, had to also be quite inventive. Um, uh, the um, You wouldn't have heard of him. Uh, Matthew Flinders, he's a very famous explorer and ship and naval guy, and he developed a tool to be able to put the compass in because what he found was that the metal on the ship would actually interfere with an exact navigation of where they were moving. So he created a, it's like a device to go around it because he was a navigator by trade and then he became a captain. So, but yeah, um, there's a small interest, not a, not a huge interest. I'm not a big naval guy, but just a small interest in that sort of thing. And, um, uh, but yeah, so I did my best to try and figure out how, some of the some of these are the actual proper um, figures as well, straight out of like Jane's books. So Jane's being the the military you know, the encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, has Australia tourism contacted you for that quote? Australia, where many places to die. That's uh, <laughs> which which of course here in the states, every time we hear you know crocodile kip scor and a scorpion jumps off a crocodile to attack a small child who was being carried away by a dingo well they have and the, the venomous venomous koalas right right fire breathing koala venomous right. koalas the, carnivorous uh, uh, kookaburra uh, 40 foot uh, duck I, was just, I was talking duck with um, Robert the other day it was like uh, the the um the blue ring octopus is our favorite one because it's like about the size of a 20 cent pea like it's tiny right right it's really tiny but it's got this beautiful blue, sort of like um, uh, luminescent blue. And then when it bites you, you die in less than two minutes. Ah. 
Welcome to Australia. <laughs> don't go swimming. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Stay don't out of the water. Don't. Find our beautiful surfing. That's also right. die. Die. Great white sharks. Dead. So, so for my for the sea ghost, using that as an example, since everyone's kind of understand, you would need a crew of thirty to to actually run it. So again, the, the module was not was not written with sailing the ship per se. So I remember when we commandeered it after dispatching the lizard men more spoilers and we the, the zombies and the other uh, pirates and we, we more spoilers right more spoilers we, we limped the ship along we basically one or two people had sailing as their background so we kind of got it to the town whatever the town was to the north and we then recruited crew so in order for you to be effective um as far as sailing it in, with regards to combat you need a crew of 30 and then there's a minimum crew. Uh, so in this case, this so the Sea Ghost we said was is a cog. That's a merchant ship. It's a medium ship. So you need two to three commission officers, four to eight petty officers, and twenty to forty five sailors. Is that correct? So the DM should be saying, "Hey, Mister Players, because I got better things to do. You all need to come up with the crew listing, and then we will go recruit them. And you and that could be again a style of play." That if your players are into it, that's fun. You're recruiting the crew and you have personalities, mm-hmm. or it could just be this costs you 300 well, OPs. I'm making a number up to, to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, as we, as you, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't recommend naming all of your crew. Because uh, oh. <laughs> leg. And as, you will, as you will see, ship to ship combat can be quite grueling. So uh, having named old, old Pete and one legged Joe, Old Pete, and what now you have to choose which of your guys is going overboard, which could be a game, a mini game in and of itself. Okay, yeah, right. Well, we'd have, I, I had assumed, slightly disappointed, that there's not a random table of sailor names in here. So maybe that could be there. I, we, I, I will, at this point, uh, I can admit or I can reveal that a, a second edition is in the works. So we need, like, you know... So the, let me make a note of the that. Adjective, sailor name. Yes, sailor a- name. Adjective, the main name, and his, you know... That's sir- right, Seaman Stains. That's right. Exactly. Nice. Oh, hold on. you got to get a laugh, clapping and a laugh for that. Good job. You don't hear it, but... Ooh. Ooh, 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 yes. Ooh, ooh, yeah. out of that. Exactly. So, okay, so I have... Uh, the, the party has established the crew. <laughs> Sorry, I was also thinking masturbates, but that's oh, all right. Let's just move on from that, shall we? <laughs> And, and, and I'm entertained. So, you know, this, this, hey, Dan, this edition's going pretty well. We've got two good candidates for you. So if this doesn't work out, I can. Uh, is, he, is he in the. Uh... Yes, he says he's on the chat. Good morning from Ann Arbor. Oh, said. hello, Dan. So. Well, you know, he made it. He did. So um, we have a crew. We have a ship. Now, we sh- at that point, we have done the prep necessary that if an encounter happens, we'd be ready, or is there some other prep work that the DM and party should do? Um, the only other thing that you might want to try and think of is just more of a case of um, expert crew as opposed like, you get a navigator, but then you might have, like, a special character who's, like, a, you know, a master navigator. Oh, for that you need old, you know, Salty Pete who knows these waters or whatever. Um, but, yeah, like, but that's that just classifies as, um, you know, uh, expert hirelings. They're handy to have expert hirelings for things like being able to fire weapons because um, odds are that your magic user is not going to be very good at throwing a ballista 
know, or her range point over there somewhere. Just just point it and shoot. Right. Versus a fighter. So in, in in the context of the game, an expert hireling. If you get an expert hireling who is well versed in uh, as a firing weapon, artillerist, or whatever. artillery, whatever. Yeah. yeah. If you've got an artilleryman, that might also work. Uh, but they give pluses to hit other ships. I noticed there's a plus one, basically. Yeah, basically a plus one. Which I like, too, because, it, you know, when, uh, looking over this, I still have no idea how it works. It's, and and I, I, only because I stopped because I knew you were coming on. It's crunchy enough that it feels like one AD&D, but I like the fact that you're not going through and I need to add up all the expert hirelings' fractional points. No. It's like, you got expert hirelings, you get plus one. So that's great. Mm. So the, uh, the, the, the one big rules change that you have to ad- absorb is that a turn in this game okay. is 10 minutes. Turn is 10 minutes. So Do you know you what a turn be, in AD&D is? It's 10 minutes, yeah. I know, except that... Okay. So I thought you were trying to... Because Dan doesn't know that. I do. So oh, yeah. I wasn't turn, sure if you were confusing a, me with Dan. A turn absolutely okay. is 10 minutes, okay. but the difference is, is that you don't get... Uh, ten, you, there's not you 10 combat rounds. You don't get 10 combat rounds. A, co- a combat round when you're on the sailing, is uh, the, the scale is 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes. Gotcha. Is that correct, David? Mm, that is correct. Yeah. So we've just sort of bent. A, we ke- so if you have a look at the um, the the combat chart, we've kept the the general look and feel of the initiative order. Um, so that's like page. There are no page numbers. That's like I somewhere know. in the middle. I put that. That's in like a, somewhere in the middle. That that's, uh, the, that, that goes in the second. <laughs> it is. It is a second edition. One, you get page two, three, four. It's page five. So again, I'm starting. I I'm playing Dan today. So. I, I would read some of this and, and ask a question, which would be answered in the next sentence, but I'm not going to do that yep. to you. So I'm so, the, so the, so I, I'm the, the key DM. Is that the, Go ahead. Yep. So the moment that you say you see a ship. Well, I was going to say, which... before that, we're following the rules of encounters, assuming I don't have any pre, as the DM, I haven't pre-generated DM. They're sailing down the coast. I'm rolling initiatives per the Dungeon Master's Guide for waterborne adventures. I determine the type of Water, I'm in salt or whatever Shallows, distance, deep, deep and water, it's three shallow. times a day or three times whatever it's whatever it says in the DMG, if I remember Roll correctly, encounter. David. Yeah. And poof, I have an encounter. Right now, your rules kick in. Is that a fair statement? For the most part, so versus a, a monster is still slightly different to versus another well, ship. Let's, yeah, let's say I roll. Let's say I roll uh, a, a, a ship that's coming. So let's just say for argument's yeah. sake, I do that. So Come since on. you're a you're... pirate, you see a merchant vessel. Yes, that's right. <laughs> So, so you're going to see the ship uh, somewhere. If if you've got open water, you're going to see the ship, and it's going to be like twelve to fifteen miles away, because that's how the curvature of the Earth works. So, assuming that it's the same standard size Earth, who knows? But still, you, the DM can so, the DM can sort of decide it's fifteen miles. But we're generally talking that twelve to fifteen miles is a good guide for saying I see a ship in the in the distance, and this is. A, the colors, because the guy on the mask, the guy that's in the, the crow's nest, he's normally the one with the sharpest eyes who can see these things. And so you just go, oh, they have the magic spyglass or whatever. And they go, yep, it's a prize to go after. Then it's your miles per hour versus their miles per hour just to catch up. Combat would actually start, because in the first parts of combat, you're always looking at what's the distance. Most weapons have a 30-inch distance. Like, so you're looking at that as going to be your starting combat range almost all the time. And if you see a ship that's 12 miles away and you're three three miles an hour faster than it is, you're going to catch up to it after about 
four hours or whatever. All right. And this is what we're talking about in terms of um, sh- um, ship combat and ship to ship is that it's time. There's actually a long time. If you've um, uh, watched or seen it or read or any of those like the Napoleonic things, like those battles were days. Then they'd stop at night sometimes because they just couldn't see each other. And then they just, as soon as it was first light, they'd head up to each other you know, again. Yeah. And if they and, and it'd and be if, even worse. And if their pro and if their prey snuck away in the night, then they couldn't catch them. So just yeah. just to recap, because like me, I'm playing Dan. Prep work type type of ship, the crew we have. Then as I'm playing, as I'm the DM, what time is it? Time of day? Because if it's nighttime, you're not going to see anything. Weather, which we have to roll we'll yep. roll the yep. weather because yep. you said yep. weather's a factor. So all that has happened. The engine of the the world is moving. Roll for encounters. Encounter comes. Let's just say it's a ship for argument's sake. We determine distance, which again is assuming it's clear and assuming you can see it's 12 to 15 miles, assuming it's the planet Earth or an equivalent analog. And now we have pursuit whether we are capable of route running them or not, which is based on the speeds of the vessels and that kind of thing, correct? That is correct. Okay. I'm, 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 so, so far I got it. So now we're at the next part. So what were you pointing to? Well, me? you'll uh, notice that. The ship speed, that you have, 10, the 20, Caravel, 30, right? has a speed of 30 is its maximum speed. That's basically ramming its cru- speed. That's its cruising speed. Oh, cruising speed. Can it's I also, say ramming speed? It's also ramming speed, but you <laughs> might want to avoid doing that with a Caravel. Does this work on the ethereal? <laughs> uh, we have a question, David. Does this work on the ethereal and astral plane the same way? No, not at all. You need a, That will be a completely new supplement called Ethereal Jammer. Ethereal Ether Jammer? Jam- Ether yeah. Jammer. Yes. Astral Jammer. I don't... Like we're getting astral off... Jam- we're getting off... Close. Well, that's Dan is asking if it works in the ethereal astral the same way. So, okay. So, I have... Just asking what it is. What's the difference between the planets? Yeah. Can you... Can you just... <laughs> yeah. Can you type that out? You type that out, Dan. That will keep him busy. Um, so... So, I am... Am I the... I am the... I'm You're the, the Caravel. I'm the Caravel. What I did is that because I wanted to familiarize you with your warship and the galley that Perfect. you're... So uh, I'm the pirate ship now. Uh, well, oh, that's yes, yeah, yeah, you're the pirate ship, and, and I'm a... And I, and you're I, the merchant ship. I'm a, a slow merchant slow ship merchant going ship. between two uh, uh, islands, and um, you've decided to swoop in on me. Now, because I'm a galley, uh-huh. I am slow. I'm mostly or and sail driven and i will go at most six miles an hour okay. and you go 30 so you can so do the math there inches equals miles per hour is that what we're saying uh, generally or not i mean it's probably not so well when you're doing outdoor when you're doing outdoor travel one inch is related to 30 yards like is related to a in the, the yards rather than the tens of feet right. and so one mile is 176 dnd inches Okay. And so I've just converted distance into inches, and then because we're doing 10-minute rounds, you've just moved it to 30-inch speeds and 20-inch speeds and so on. So when you're making the maps up, you just work out whatever scale. So if you've got your grid on your map and you just go, well, like one grid is three inches, then you know that they're moving four or five uh, squares each ship or something like that. Not everyone's going to have enough table space to be able to put out a proper map, but 
I I did that, and the um, and it was really quick. It was like three rounds before the ships got close enough, and one was boarding the other, or they were burning down. So that's pretty much the um, it, that that seems to sort of really hit because I mean ultimately you've got. Um, it's the AD&D still. There's not like it's gunpowder or anything else. So you're looking at boarding ships and combat on ships and everybody's going to be wanting to carry scimitars because of the space required because we all know that everybody uses the space required all, and all the, the weapon adjustment Absolutely. tables. Hold on. Now you, oh, God. So I have – I am my ship name is the, the Runny Richard. That is my name. The, the Runny ship. Richard. The Runny well, Richard. the Himalaya is, is going to be called the um, – Sloop John X. Sloop John X. Okay. So, determine distance. So, we are 12 miles away. Is that 12 miles? Well, not exactly. So, 12. So, it would be, in we're, this case, more than, it would be like 1,000 inches at this point. We're far away. Yes, we're quite, we're quite far away. Okay. But you know that the caravel is going to run up onto it within, you know, like an hour or so, because we're, they've got two different, we've got massive changes in speed. So where the caravel is going to have an issue is because they're coming in too fast. They're just going to, it's like when you see those fighters just going straight over a bomber and it's just like, boom, they just zoom straight past. And that's what's going to end up happening if the caravel doesn't bring everything back in speed to be able to um, come to a more of an even keel, which is why there's a negative adjustment for Combat when you're there's speed. too much. Right, so I'm moving full speed because yeah. I want I'm going to catch I want to catch you up. So for because I'm going step one determine distance and speed of each vessel between the parties and starting speed. My starting speed I I'll say I was at twenty. I was, you said cruising speed's thirty. So I'm I'm moving full speed. I see you. I tell the oarsman and the navigator the helmsman go over there. All right. Go and after tell them. the wind to blow. Yes. Tell the wind to blow the right way. And, and I and I'm telling my guys to get their oars out and start going as quick as possible because we don't want that pirate ship to catch us. And then it's just like that movie, Master and Commander. Like we're like waiting as we're pursuing each other, right? It's like t- as you know, it's uh, exactly waiting for a while for everyone to get there. Okay. So next step: determine actions of crew, teams, individual characters, and roll for initiative by use of d6. Okay. So let's put ourselves as a far apart. Let's say that we start at six at thirty. Inches. Okay. Uh, which, in the cases of this, we're going to do. Um, but an hour has gone by as we get close enough to do things, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, you, you've, you've caught up with these. And so you don't have to role play that out where, okay, I see you're moving. We're going to get to a point where it makes sense tactically. Where it's yes, where okay. you're close enough. If I can figure out a way to get away, then I'm going to get away. You right. might be able to get closer. Uh, like if there's a cave or something like that in the topography. Okay, I got exactly. It. I might go behind. It'd be the shallows. It'd be somewhere in the shallows. Uh, if someone, if one boat has a better draft, they're able to hide in the, in the, you know, the shallows. So that's kind of one A. If if you're out of the range of actually shooting at each other, you're kind of the DM and party are trying to adjudicate this. Yes. So we're going to say that each of these squares is two inches, so we're 15 apart. So uh, we have our grid table out here for those who are listening on the podcast. And I have I, uh, Donna and Rob have graciously provided painted sailing ships for us to see. Rob, cannot, Rob can sort of, I mean, David can sort of see it. It's on the ground here. Here's our ship here. It's, it's washed out for you, but it's, it's there. Uh, and so uh, now it's initiative time. We well, roll a D6. Well, we declare the actions. Oh, declare action. So uh, what is my range of a ballista? Well, your ballistas are uh, 
port and starboard. They right. shoot from the sides. Well, I, and I assume, now what's the maximum crew of a galley, would I know? Well, in this case, a maximum crew is 60 men. 60, but it's very unlikely you have 60 men in a galley. Well, um... Well, that have it because it's the oarsmen, because you've got like two or three, because you've got the number of people doing the sweeps oar thing. Actually, there, there are more men per square foot on a galley than there usually is. Okay, but I have pirates who fight. His, his men are mostly sailors who row. That is true. So what but is each, my strategy? Each one of them, each one of them will uh, def- try to defend themselves. Right. Is my strategy to board the ship if I have a pirate ship like this, or is my strategy to shoot them with the ballistas and cripple them and then have them surrender? I... The ship on this one has two ballistae, one at the front, one at the back. So the idea of the, the hemiola is to stay in a chase position so that you're behind them and they're just going pop, 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 launching an attack as you come in. From behind, but then your job as the uh, as as a standard ship with their starboard support weapons is to be able to get a whole broadside as best as possible. The moment you come into the sides, they can't fire at you, and you're just firing at a blank. Sheet. Like you're just doing target oh, practice. So, I, so for those who are who can't see, my goal is to get right next to the well, side of you. Or you could turn, but you could still shoot at me then. Well, yes, yes. Your your goal would be to get a, a, alongside so that I can't bring my my pop gun to bear. But you could do this, and then you could fire three ballista at me. I see. So I could do some strafing things as I t- attempt to get broadside. Yeah, you, you're going to have the uh, you, you're going to have. And there's the, a 45 degree arc on each one. On each, it's not a straight. You've got a four, about a 45 degree arc. You know, right. like it's it's a reasonable arc on the um, for each ballista. So even if you have have to tack. You can get your front one of the firearms to to bear. Some of this requires a little bit of uh, DM and players just sort of looking at the at everything and, and making a few calls. We've intentionally left holes. If anyone's going to be saying there are holes in this, we've intentionally left holes so that way individual DMs and players can fill it in with their own knowledge. So the um, I, I'm going to. The- I would imagine that since the the crew of the sloop John X has been pouring it on the oars for about an hour, trying to get away from this, trying to make port and get away from this pirate ship, that I suspect that they're not. They're, uh, would you say, David, that they're yeah. not going to be able to get, to do their correct? It's bursts of speed. The oars can do the bursts of speed, but they can't keep it up. All right. So, so, so your ship is has sails, or it's just oars? It has a sail. A sail. I guess it has a sail, so that the that it normally runs under, and then when it needs bursts of speed, it goes with the oarsman. All right. So, I my general strategy is to we have the same type of weapons, but I have three times the weapons. This is reminding me of Sid Meier's Pirates when I played that game back mm-hmm, in the day, mm-hmm. and I love that game. <laughs> And, There's a little bit of that. Yeah, so you know, I have I have more guns. I want more of my guns to bear on you, and then if I have a better way to to board you, I want to board you at some point. If that makes sense. Okay, cool. So I'm uh, so now it's initiative. So declare action. So what actions can I do as a crew? Because I'm assuming there's no there's no player characters in this. This is just ship to ship combat. We're Correct. Keep it if you had if. What is your, your your character? Is Dan Kanan? Yes, he's a seventeenth level wizard. I'd be conjuring. I would have conjured a water elemental at this. So point. you could conjure. You could say that I'm going to conjure more a a, a, a water elemental, and then your what, what's the veg pygmy's name? Uh, uh, it's not Ferric. It's uh... so your veg pygmy guy. You could say, well, he's going to Cedric. be 
he's going to be uh, in control of the port oh, gun battery. Okay, in Ingwald. Ingwald is my Ingwald will be is on the port gun battery, and somebody else is on the starboard gun battery. Or they could just not. They could. They don't. In other words, the players don't have. If you have a crew, though, they should be trained like like traveler, right? You always want to be able to be do multiple things because yes. when someone gets whacked, you can go. And jump do in. and jump in, right, right, okay. Well, and that's what the that's the whole point of the petty officers in the original, like in the the in the navies back in the day, is so that you were training your replacement on the off chance that you were knocked off, and that's what the whole hierarchy was about. Everyone was training the person below them how to do their job. So what would happen is if you were a PCs, you'd go right PCs um, one. If if they have this, so who's going to be manning damage control? Who's going to be manning the Board it, like get the borders ready. Who's going to be um, on which bank of uh, weapons, um, and so on. As the spellcasters, what are they up to? Is someone going to be casting gust of wind to give us the burst, or to put the others in irons? Mm. What you know, where are we going to go with that? So everyone can, if there's something to do it. But otherwise, yeah, you're right. It's going to be more of a case of um, back and forth. Okay, so so the, so the sloop John X is is traveling at. Uh, it's trying to make. It's got six inches. I realize that I'm moving at the my maximum sailing speed, right. which is going to affect my attack. But I need to get away. Right. Uh, I'm going. My I'm going to declare. I'm going to pop a shot with one with my aft ballista. Right. That's my that's my declared action. And I am going to go to the right. I know that's a starboard, right? We're going. I'm going to move starboard like this in a 45 degree angle, going like this. That's my that's my intended action. And if I have, and once I get to 45 degrees, my three left guns are going to shoot at so, you. So you're maneuvering to attack. Yes, I'm moving to round. attack while closing. So I'm basically going to do this little thing and then kind of swing in. And attacking. Yes, attacking. And in fact, no, no, attack as in attack. T A C. You're going to die. <laughs> Surrender. The runny Richard will run you down. and uh, not, not if we make it across that reef. Yes, that's what you're hoping for. Yes, we're, in, we're, out, we're on the outskirts of Australia, obviously. That's right. I'm, I'm, when, you, when, those, when those blue octopus kill you, you'll, you'll regret coming to Australia. All right, what do we roll for initiative? D6? D6 and he uses 10 minus. Now, uh, go ahead. Let's, let's do that. I have more questions. I, I can see how I feel like Dan. I have 100 questions that I, I want answered now versus just trying to figure it out. This is great. All right, I rolled a two. I rolled a four. So based on the instructions, 10 minus whichever side is the lowest number acts first. So you have the lowest number. Yes. All right, so I will fire my ballista. So, All right, you're firing a ballista. All right, David, what is my... What, so let's see. The movement differential, I'm moving six. You're moving twenty. A shit ton. Whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever. I can move thirty. I was moving. Oh, you're going to move thirty. I'm moving my maximum speed. Okay, so it does matter, even if he's moving his minimum speed. Even if he's moving ten, he's still more than six miles an hour difference. So that's so a minus three right there. That's a yeah. That's a minus three on your. So he's every ship already starts at to armor class zero. So you're hitting armor class zero. Oh, okay. And. So then when you've got a minus three, just like the normal standard rules, you're now taking it to a negative three armor class. But, so looking on the matrix, if they've got zero level soldiers on the um, on the Hemiola, then you're looking at being at a, a 20 on the attack roll, uh, requiring but, a, a natural 20. But my target is a medium ship. So that's plus two. It is. I'm using direct yep. fire, ballista. That's another plus four. 
Yep. Um, let's see. Let's. Uh, do you want to make an assumption about the weather, or do we need to roll that? He's already said it was clear. Okay. Yes, it's clear. It's calm. Clear. So it's calm. So that's plus one. Yeah. So that's. Uh, well, it's got to no, be some wait, kind wait. of breeze. No, it's got to be a light breeze. Yeah, so we have to have summer, else I'll be dead in the water, right? Right. <laughs> and uh, I. And you're not in irons, and I don't have an expert hireling. So. So, so to hit, just to kind of, because we kind of went through this quickly, you, there's no. Weird to hit thing. You roll a d twenty. Use the t- you and and so what are you rolling as a fighter or, or, or? Um, in my case? It, basically, this is where your PCs come in. Okay. So let's say that you that on your pirate ship you have a six level fighter. If your your six level fighter can basically manage the um, the a single bank a single bank of guns left so or right left or case. right okay in this case. On your deck. I mean, if you have multiple decks, then you probably can't fire them. You need somebody else to do that. So if your six-level fighter is the one who's doing it, it attacks as a six-level fighter. If your fourth-level thief is doing that, then you use that table or your magic user, etc. Whoever is in charge of the bank. Correct. So if you have a crew member, you got to make sure that whoever's... That's why the expert hiring comes into place. Gotcha. Okay, so you're using the regular combat tables based on the on the the commander of the guns. That right, which in my case is a zeroth level. And, and then it's guy. AC zero, mm-hmm. and then adjusted based on, so you have a size of ship, movement, type of weapon. Uh, you're doing a ballista, right? So it's plus Correct. four. It's all you ballistas, get pl- yep. So you get plus four for that. And plus two for a medium ship. Plus so- two, and other factors, recruited expert hirelings, and target vestal in the irons. So what does that mean in irons? And a ship that's in irons is basically un, is uncontrolled. It okay. happens uh, if you lose a mast, and it hap- and there are certain other circumstances that can cause a ship to be in irons. Okay, great. So you, I think you're plus six then, basically, is what. All right. I'm, so I'm going to roll. So you need a fourteen or higher, correct? AC I, zero. Yeah. Well, you see, you're a zero level fighter. I got my magic. Yeah, zero level fighter. Zero versus, level fighter. You need a twenty. AC minus three. Minus three. Yeah. yeah, because it's um, of the difference. Oh, minus speed three. Differential. Okay, so and then you get plus four, and what well, doesn't matter. I rolled a three. Doesn't you doesn't make any difference. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> so I have. So there's another question. So I, I have another question. Uh, are we using dice maiden? That's right. And do I, and and <laughs> David, do I move at this time as well? Yes. Yeah, so all of that's still happening. One, two, in, um, movement. It, it's movement is always in, always in motion. We're always moving. So can I? Uh, everywhere. So, so and I agree with that. So with it makes sense. So in this case, um, and what is the range of a ballista? Thirty. Okay. Everything is the range of thirty. So once you. So that's why we're effectively. Comp- that's why the effective, effectively, um, determining the distance and speed of everything. You're almost always going to start around that thirty mark because you're just trying to. But once you brought the weapons to bear, that's when the range starts to come in. So you move six, I'm going to move 30. So I basically was going to move all the way over here. Can well, I shoot no, now? So, okay, no? you're going to move 15 because each of these is two. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I want to end up so here. You can end up right about there. And, and you probably. So went, can I shoot at the end of my the move? Maneuverability chart. Yeah. And the maneuverability chart. Yes. As well. Okay. So. Oh, there's a move, well, maneuverability we're chart. We're using the maneuverability chart for um, uh, that's on the airborne section. Oh, we're using the airborne section. Okay, so, so if you take a look. So that's what the letters are for this? I'm, what letter am I? Well, that actually is dependent on 
this is a Caravel is a class C. Oh, that's where the class. So oh, actually, you can quite easily do what you're suggesting. Right, because any if I was a class E, I I barely I could only move X degrees. So we're on the page fifty two of the DMG. We're using the aerial uh, maneuverability at, 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 in a similar way into this because again, exactly. these, these ships don't stop. I mean, to David's point, they're constantly moving. And you kind of drift if anyone's been on a boat, which I've only been on, you know, three times. So, okay. I, so, I, I'm going to make a, a, a ruling that says that if my little ship can get off right. the We're, thing, then that, we got away. That, that is the shallows. That's the shallows. That you is the shallows. In there. That's right. So, and I've recognized that because I'm a genius. So, can I shoot now at the end of my movement or do I, or do I have to shoot at the beginning of my movement? Uh, David? No, because pretty much because of the way looking at a, a combat round being 10 rounds. So it's a turn. So there's a lot more freedom in terms of where you're you um, putting everything in. Like in, in. Yeah, so in a normal game, when we're doing normal combat and a combat attack round is one minute, a lot happens in that one minute and we're broken into segments and whatever else, so six seconds. Whereas here we're talking about minutes. Yeah. So you've all, you you can sort of you've got a bit more leeway with yeah. how you can choose to when to move and fire and all of that. So sort of so, De so Deglegs Pete says once we have once we have them in range and and sights fire at will fire away. Okay, so I have so I have three shots I'm going to do because now all the guns are at forty five from here. Is that okay? A fair that's right. Now I'm a small ship. You're so a that's small plus ship. zero plus zero. You, you are using a ballista. So that's plus four. Right now the movement I'm. It's still minus, minus three. three. You've still got that right. huge minus three because it's moving targets are hard plus to Plus one. Hit. So basically plus one, right, at this one. Well, it doesn't add out. Remember how David works this. The minuses affect your AC. Okay. So, so my AC is negative three. So your AC is negative three. Right. So we'll just pick you've got, the What's the level of magic user? What's the level oh, of magic oh, user? Oh, uh, uh, 17th level. Okay. So, so I have a 16. If we're going to use that, so you're using sure, that. I, as, yeah, you use that as that. Well. sure. Now, now makes it, it makes it more personal. Actually, Igwald would be the one. He's a fifth level fighter. Okay, he's your his, fifth level fighter is the one who's manning, manning the right. uh, port. Get them! Get them! Shoot them! And then I will eviscerate them, eat their rotting flesh. God, keep going, guys. Get those oars out. I, I smell salty flesh. So, oh, that's uh, what <laughs> salty flesh. <laughs> salty flesh. Yeah, there's another. There's uh, another song. Uh, uh, Love the taste of salty flesh. So you're plus four okay. because of the direct fire with your ballista. All right. So I, so as a fifth level fighter, I need 19 plus four, so I need a 15. I should roll three separate times for three ballista, or is yes, it one? Yes, indeed. Three times. Okay. Using the fecal dice. Dan's Ugh. fecal dice. 20. That's one. 18. Two. Kill them! And a six. Okay. So he, he decapitates the guy who missed. So if you look on the next page, All right, so where done, it talks about weapon Two damage. ballistas actually hit. That's two hull points. Two, so a ballista scorpion do one point damage each. Now comes the where does it hit. Oh, there's a where does it hit part. Okay, okay roll, roll a D8. Where, where are you at? When you I am on the, the previous page. Oh, the roll, so one to three, it's a mast. Four to eight is a hull. What would, what actually, is, actually, it's the page part of that. What, is, what, what do it's I want? the page part of that. Oh. Oh, this one. What was the, what was the one I'm doing? This one is if I had taken oh, down reefs. If see, I had taken down. See how much. Now you know how I feel. Yeah. This is how it is. Mm -hmm. Dan asks questions. <laughs> They're right here. 
And so I think I'm doing a good job playing Dan. You're doing great. I thought I was going to play Dan, but instead. No, I'm playing Dan. You're okay. Oh, job. right, right. Okay. But so which one do I want? Wait, which... wait. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. There you go. First shot, six. Okay. That's the, the hole. hole. You hit the hole. Second shot, eight. Sales and rigging. All right. Sales and rigging. So I put a point next to my sales. So you'll see that the ships have hole points. In my case, I have 15 hole points. And I have half of that in sails and rigging and half of that in masts. Okay. And when you do damage to those different things, it has effects. Now, this isn't enough to affect either of these. But you, do, you did hit nice. the ship twice. And that means I lose crew. Oh, people die from this? Isn't that correct, David? A D4? Yep, that's so, right. In addition to damage to the ship, you also inflict um, so crew losses. So one to four for each. Here, you can roll it. Watch them like explode as the ballista rips through their flesh. Well, one, five, five, so, five total, five so, crew. So I'm marking off that I'm losing five crew members. Because uh, that actually starts to come important when things like fires happen, because you have to assign crew to um, stop right. the fire. And also, and, and, and also things like calculating when you surrender. Where so where is yeah. the dead people? Where do I? So the dead people, well, they just represent people who can no longer fight. So they're either looking after damage, they're looking after wounded, they they are wounded, they went, or, or they went overboard. People fallen overboard or went overboard, or so it's not just loss well, they, of crew. Right, they see of, the Runny Richard, they're just jumping yeah. overboard. I agree because they know they're going to be eaten by the veg, half veg pig. The veg pig. So when uh, where yeah. I, I guess my question is where in this book did I where you found oh. the crew being removed? Just before the roll for um, attacking, um, for damage. So we've got like, the roll for the location. It says, um, it's a couple of steps Firing at the that. crew with the tr Oh, wait, that's different. Sorry. That's as if you're firing damage. at the crew. under damage. Once hit, in addition, damage, one yeah. to four losses with successful hit. Okay, great. All right, excellent. So now it's a new round. Okay, right? so, yeah. Uh, we determine so. the results. Any special effects? Continue firing. We, so, of course, uh, oh, I, uh, it's initiative. So my right, declared my de action, you, uh, your declared action. I assume you're you're trying to get over there. Actually, I'm going to try to uh, I'm going to angle myself to the left to, to bring my aft uh, my aft uh, ballista to bear. Okay. Uh, so how do I change? How it's, I I remember reading something about changing speed, right? So I can slow down now, but it takes a turn. Yep. Okay, so I and is it in, in how how fast can I slow the you ship down? You basically move to uh, if you're going if you're at thirty, you can move it down to twenty. Twenty, 20 okay. is is the average. Um, what's it called? Um, the normal speed. Normal combat okay. speed. So yeah, I move. I can I slow down and shoot basically then. I think so. Yeah. Right. So so my declared yeah. action yeah. is as slow I'm I'm going to slow to twenty. And I'm going to start maneuvering closer to your ship if I can, depending on what, depending if I win or not. And and, and you're going to fire. fire. And you're also yes. going to fire. If, if if I have the ability to fire, I'm going to fire. So, one. All right. Two. I think you win again. Okay, so I'm going to move forward one. I can only go one, two, three, but I can bring. Yes, you now you now uh, moved aft, over to bear. Aft to bear. Ooh, 16. Let's see, I was a minus 16 plus three. Uh, four, or a plus six, I think, was 22. Well, well it's, no, if you mm. use the tables, yeah. minus yeah. three is zero level fighter, you needed a 20 plus four, so you would have hit. All right. That's why the 
the way David's doing on the tables is better than Thacko. You have a better chance. You have a chance to hit. Yes, yes. exactly. So take right. a point of you damage. Take a point where of did damage? I hit? Let's you gotta, see where you I hit. Tell me where you hit. Four is in the hull. Hull. So I take have. Take a point. Is that? Uh, so you'll have a hole. Is it HP? Yep. Just put a. Dick is that to it? what's S? What's sails and rigging? One's mass. So that's different. So I agree. correct. And then here we go. You've lost two crew members. Ah. Now, is there a saving throw for the heroes, or are they always the last to die? They're always, it's always assumed that they're not taking this damage. Okay. Correct. This is, this is the chaff. So in this case, uh, Ferric would be the chaff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Dan's character. Dan's character. <laughs> Himself so let's see. Uh, we have a total of. I, I think. I, I think. I think. I put. Uh, oh, hold on. Yes, he had an important point. And now he stopped. Yeah, naturally. I'm sorry, David. You you broke up just as you were saying something. What What did you say? Uh, I was just saying that um, the. Um, uh, I think I put in there so uh, that um, unless the DM warrants it, the the players never just fall off the the ship. You know, well, so that's. I'm assuming Dan is kind of looking around, not really paying attention, mm-hmm. and this ballista came by. So I'm going to give him that there's 35 sailors, and there's the four of us, 39. So basically, if I roll a d20, if I roll a one and a one, it hits him. Absolutely. No, that's no, dice don't lie. We missed. Okay, so I took one point. Of, the ship took one point of damage. Okay, so you moved. You, you slowed down to twenty. Uh, twenty. So and these are each a two, right? Correct. So one, you're gonna move, you got you got to move forward a little bit, and then you can do that. Oh, I can I can do that deal. That'd be great. Yes. One, two, three, four, go oh. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten. Yep, that's it. That's so ten squares here equals twenty inches of movement in the right. scale we're using, and you are get, you're ready to come out with a broadside, and it's still what's seventeen. Eleven's a miss. So range doesn't matter at this point. It's no, it it's all about the other factors. Correct. And eight. So I hit once. You hit once. So hit. Where did you hit? Two. That's in the hole. Two more people. Two more. My crew member. My precious, precious crew member. Go for it. We're screaming at you. Just run. You have no hope. You will not make it to the ground. Surrender. I think I'm going to be fine. Thank you. And you're. And and I promise half the crew will not be eaten by the vegapygmy. All right. Round three. Right. I. Your declared action is what? Um. I. My declared action is I'm going to. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to ram. Okay. I don't think I'm. I'm gonna maneuver. I'm gonna, maneuver, I'm gonna maneuver to the right, bring my four police to the bear, and attempt to ram. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Obviously, I'm gonna try to come around here and and not avoid being rammed. Well, I'm. That good for you. Yeah. So you have to. So, in this, you have to declare the action you're doing. Yes. So, so how do you have that situation where do you, as the DM, you have to kind of think about it first, and then the players should declare, right? Because you don't want to react to what the players are doing. That wouldn't be fair. That is that. Well, that's the same as normal D and D combat. Right. Or do you, or is, are we learning how you play uh, as a DM in your game, where you wait to see what the players do? Well, something. I mean, the, traditionally, you would be thinking as a DM. 
well, what would what would the orcs do? What would the ogre do? What would the dragon do before combat anyway? Well, and then, you know. No, I agree. <clears throat> I guess the the difference here is your actions. Once you do them, you can't change them. Whereas in D anD D, you can you can as the DM give some discretion to. I was going to shoot the orc, and now the orc's dead. I'm going to shoot the guy next to him, as an example. Where here, the ship is turning. You can't all of a sudden halfway through and start turning around. The, the, yeah, the ship is. Yeah, you've. Sure. Remember, the, as is, this is a as because it's a ten minute turn. The ten minute turn represents the fact that the captain is saying, "Bring the ship around right. to port and bring those guns to bear." And it takes a certain amount of time for them for the uh, orders to get past to the particular people who, like you say, turn the wheel and all this stuff. You can't, you can't say, belay that at the right. last minute. Because I, I, I'm, some groups, unless it's, an, you know, like in my group, unless it's a spell that could be, eventually, that could be canceled or it's some other time-sensitive thing, we basically roll, we declare we're, I'm going to fight or whatever, and then we roll and then we kind of adjudicate it because it's not as big a deal unless it's the charge versus someone casting a spell or something that, the effects could do it. Right. This is important, and you don't. You really have to go back to more of the. All right, DM. What is my strategy before the players say something? Because it's not fair. You, you I should put it. I'll either write it down and put it in my mind, and, and there has to be trust between the DM and the players that I'm not going to go. Oh, you're going to do that. Now I'm going to do this. Well, I trust David. Because remember, this is you and we're fighting each other. Right. He's our DM. Oh, okay. Well, but you've been declaring his actions there. So. <laughs> I've been declaring my actions. Yeah. Well, I, well, I'm I'm the I'm the other guy. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. So with that said, okay, I'm I'm still doing what I said, which is I'm in spite of my. That's probably not the smartest move to go this way, but that's what I declared. So that's what I'm doing. Okay. One, you go so, first. So I go first. So I'm continuing. One, two, three, four. I'm slowing down again. Five. So now I'm moving at ten. Okay. So uh, you can bring it to bear. Go ahead, and make your attacks. And now, and now it's less of a minus because we're not going as fast. We're That's right. Down. I'm still going six, and so I'm going ten. No, the difference is still minus three. Well, oh, yeah, it's it's no, it's between three and five. Right? Oh, that's miles per hour. You're right. You're yeah. plus zero. <coughs> yeah, Did yeah. You, you wrote this book. He wrote that part. Okay. <laughs> See, unlike Dan, I'm sure. reading. I'm trying to pay attention. So. <laughs> So now uh, it's your AC is zero. Uh, you're a small ship or a medium ship? Small ship. Zero. Direct fires plus four. That's it. So we get plus four to hit. Um, fifth level. Fifth level fighter. So it's still pretty hard. 16. Uh, I mean, 12. That's, I need a 12 to hit. 10. Miss. Miss. Six. Compelling podcasting. And three. So even though I'm getting closer... <laughs> It was, I was better shooting far away. Okay, now it's, that was my action. Okay, well, my turn is still going one, two, three, four. I, I, I cannot actually get close enough to ram. Right. But uh, I can bring my aft, or excuse me, my four ballista to bear. Yes, your four ballista. So let's see if it's even close. Ten, that's, no. That's a miss. That's another miss. All right, so now it's initiative. Okay, I've, I've decided what I'm going to do. All right, I've decided what I'm going to do. I'm still going for a ram. Right. If, right. I can, if I can make it, 
I'm going to. Do I'm it. moving. So, I, I'm going to start circling you. Like so, circling. so, something that we probably need to also keep in mind is the direction of the wind, because you can't just sort of turn a boat around. It's not like it's you know you do a J turn like a, you know Jim Rockford, where you just sort of like you know swerve it around. Well, I don't. I, I, don't, I can't see what you're doing with your ship. So, well, so, based on. I'm sorry, Dave. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. We can move it over for you. No one else can see it, but see, I'm over here. Based on you see, I. He's basically yep. perpendicular to me now. Yes. Um, what, what I will say is we've been using that. I have a Class C ship, which is fairly maneuverable, so I can make a 90-degree turn in, yep. in my turn. Yes, yes, you can. And let's see. I... But you still have inertia behind you that allows you to move. I have a, yeah. class, B, I have a class B, which so means have, I'm more maneuverable. You, you're actually more maneuverable. All right, so this is a big initiative because if I lose initiative, you'll be able to ram me. That is ex- and that is exactly what we're doing. Right? The oars out, burst of speed. Five. One. So I go, I, I'm able to move, right? Yes, you're able to move. One. And you can move a class B. That's pretty dramatic. So one, two, uh, three, four, I said I'm going ten now, so I'm going to turn like that. Okay. Because you can only move six. That's right, which, so, is, which is three squares. Yeah, so now I'm shooting you. Nice try, ramen! You're going to be murdered, and I'm going to feast on your flesh! Thank you. <laughs> it's nice to get that kind of affirmation. Miss! A, a 12 a is 12 a hit. hit yeah. yeah, 12 is a hit now. 14 is a hit. All right. So D8s for where? Seven and one. Okay, that's one's in the mast, one's in the hull. Again, we've got a cord. We only have one in mast and one in... Another three folks have bit the dust. Look, we can't, we can't afford these losses. We need to talk to our managers. All right, I'm going to move. I'm just going to move. Now, can I get a burst of speed, David? Yeah, I mean, that's just because you're pulling out... I'm trying to get to ramming speed. Right? I, I, would, I would say is, yes. Um, yeah, and, and the, the move that um, James can do is shearing the oars because when you're running on the mast, the oars are in. But the moment you put the oars out, you go faster. But the thing is now he can. But David stopped. Yeah. But the thing, what he's saying is that if you, if you run your ship right alongside my ship, mm-hmm. you, can, you can damage the the oars. mat, the oars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But as it is, I'm making a run for the uh, edge of the of the shallows. Right. So you you uh, you were trying to ram me and and the burst of speed. So it's not like you change your action. You just yeah. I had my oars out. I had my oars out. Yeah, you're to back ram now. You as quick as possible. David, you hear us now? David, you hear us? I hear him. Yeah, something's. You hear us, David? Hello. Hello. Lost you. You there, David? International date line. Tomorrow now. It is tomorrow. Uh, hold on. We hear you. I hope they hearing. So you can still hear me, huh? Oh. Yeah, hello. Check one, two. Do you hear Well, us? that's okay then. I just can't hear what you're doing. Well, let me try something. Uh, these things. Try that. Hello, one, two. Do you hear us now? Hello, hello. All right. Well, we're, I think we're kind of at the end of this because yeah. I believe that the next turn, right. the, uh, the sloop John X will be able to, to get escape. Into the, well, let's, let's roll initiative and see what happens. Okay. 
Yes. One, two, three. Okay, you have successfully fled from combat here. So, that was disappointing. I should have just... I disagree. No, I think it was horrible. It was it was horrible because we had I had an opportunity to had an opportunity to slay you and we didn't do that. So, hello, David. How are you? Hello, we're back. Do you hear us? And we're back. Well, David, we ran the last. We did the next turn, which was the sloop John X was able to get off of into the shallows before the. What's the name of it? The, the Runny the Richard, Richard was able to come back and finish him. Fair enough. So, uh, if, because I have a 17th level magic user, there are some things I could have done, like threw a fireball at you. Oh, yes. Correct. As long as it's in range, which at a 17th level magic user, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. So, in this case, per 5 HD of fire, it's one point. So at seventeenth level, I would have done three points of damage. Is what is that the way I'm reading that? Well, that's fire checks. Well, that's fire that checks. The, so you've got the number of fire checks that you should do. That's not actually fire. Um, so that um, if you look at the DMG, there's a. So yes, on the D, in the DMG on page uh, fifty four, okay. there's a thing called fire checks. So when you cast a fireball at them, let's say you did so, and what does it say? Uh, fireball is fire checks. So, oh, I see. So at fifteen. You'd make three fire checks. So let's do the first one. Roll 3d6. 3d6. Oh, I see. So the, the more I do, the, more, the higher the number, the more damage I do. So here I did uh, 14. All right. A 14 does moderate to heavy, two to eight points of hull damage. All right. So this is, all right. Next, now we got the new strategy. Yes. With five. A, then a, a, okay. Then five that, points that of hull damage. That would have been five additional And I would have rolled 5d4 for Crew lost in that case? Is it a point? Uh, yes, indeed, that's exactly right. All right. And then, so, yes, if you, want to, if you want to destroy the ship and burn it down to the waterline, a fireball is very effective to that, for that effect, for that. Uh, okay. Oh, it's getting away? In yes. fact, you probably, that's probably what, that, that unfortunately is the result, because I'm pretty sure you can cast a fireball at far enough range right. to, um, to wipe it out as it's tries desperately to but the poor flaming right. oarsman. I told them not to escape. So flaming oarsman. Flaming that oarsman. That's yeah. yes, oh, that's good too. So that's a flaming oarsman. Well that was okay. I love this. It's it's good. Obviously, so what will I'm gonna warn you to probably not to listen to the next show. Because Dan and I are gonna try to use this. And some version of what we're going to do may be influenced by this book, but it's probably not going to be similar, and you're going to be screaming. That's why we left holes. That's That's why why we left holes in there. For you to drop into. And there's going to be screaming and gnashing of teeth. Uh, Well, that's my normal state while listening to your show. I I know that's how it is, but this is your own work that I'm going to to vilify. So I just... Pre-warning you. So what level was the magic user? What level was the magic user? He's 17th level. Right, so that would be 27 inches of range. Yeah, 27 inches. Okay, wow, that's just out of at least a range. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Great, that's great. At 17th level, I would expect that. I'll shoot shoot him with the ballista boss. Boom, okay, one point. What did you do? (laughs) Right. Well, I'm just... 
planning ahead, you know. Absolutely. Fly with the genie and just lay death on whatever attacks. And what a surprise that a magic user, a 17th level magic user, might be effective. Right. Well, and, and I like this, that it wasn't two seconds and one of the ships is destroyed. That, yeah. Well, that's because you didn't throw fireballs at him. Right. Well, okay. But... Definitely workable. So the only parts we didn't do is obviously boarding, which would be the next part. So and, and, and some of the damage. And boarding is not actually covered in Windjammer because under boarding they we have go something back in the, the DMG, DMG the DMG rules, and it's basically once you've gotten your ships next to each other, right? And you decided you're going to board. Part of the DMG, there's basically a 25 percent chance that they repel it. And if they don't, well, then you just start pouring combat. your guys across, and you can do a melee combat from there. It's just normal melee combat, yeah, that's right. Well, thank you, David, for your time today. This is, this is a lot of fun. So, again, um, I know you have to go to work tomorrow. So where can people get Windjammer again, Rob? Well, if you go to, itch, to the Itch.io site, which is uh, uh, smolderingdone.itch.io. I, You'll send me the links. It'll be in the show, the show notes. notes. It'll be in the pod. It'll be. It's available for download there. There are still some uh, available uh, print version, which was available for five dollars plus shipping and handling. All right, and, and David, you also are an international uh, broadcaster. Is that correct? You have a show on local. <laughs> Australian TV that's available internationally through the YouTubes. Is that correct? Coming to you live from channel. Coming to you live from channel thirty-one. Yes, that is correct. Um, I have a TV show which is just uh, which is from the local Melbourne. I've been doing a few local Melbourne things and uh, talking with some people who've done a Kickstarter uh, with some new kit. Um, talking with a guy the other day with some new dice. Uh, talked with some people a few weeks ago about a new game that they were putting together. And yeah, that so was great. it's yeah, yeah. No, so that it's sort of like a combination of uh, Jenga and Frogger, but yeah, it, it's really good. And uh, um, it's like thirteen episodes. We've got to talk to them to figure out whether we're going any further. But yeah, it's it's been fun. All right. And of course, all the the usual YouTube and everything else as That's well. That's right. You he he. So David not only has a, a lot of. I would call it a love letter to AD and D. His books that he's done, his virtual ebooks, yep, on his on his site. Then he has uh, has a YouTube channel, David Thompson, where he's gone over ADD, but he goes over uh, Batman and Marvel and a couple other ones. A lot of and it's and it's very laid back. It's not the high production value that we have here, which is you know completely. It's could never attain your high it's, 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 production. It's him with the book and him explaining it. So it's very, you feel like you're having a conversation with your good friend. So it's a lot of fun. As opposed to this polished banter that either Dan or I, now you have, have come to. <laughs> so David, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye, David. Thank you very much. Well, uh, for Grog Talk, I'm James. I'm Rob. And we will see you next time on Grog Talk. Take care. This is Big Abushi Puppy Production. All rights reserved.